Welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, where today will be part two of our discussion of chapter six of Observing the Craft, which is titled Ritual. Ladies and gentlemen, brethren all, welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, a casual conversation around Freemasonry. First, it's important to note that our thoughts and opinions are our own and do not reflect those of our Grand Lodge or respective craft or concordant bodies. Please connect with us and ask questions via our website at theworkingtoolspodcast.com. Today on the Working Tools Podcast, we have Worshipful Brother Jared Dunham from Penticton Lodge 147 in Penticton, British Columbia. Uh, I'm Matt Apple, and I'm a member of Mill Creek Lodge number 243, and we meet in Montlake Terrace, Washington. We have Very Worshipful Brother David Colbeth from King Solomon number 60 in Auburn, Washington. And Worshipful Brother Stephen Chung from Prince Charles number 153 in Kelowna, British Columbia. And it occurs to me, at some point, we should discuss how our lodges got their names, because I'd be curious to know Except for maybe Penticton, because, you know, <laughs> not that I'm sliding Penticton Lodge in any way. Uh, so we, last episode, we had talked about the ritual aspect of the ritual chapter, if you will, the part of knowing our ritual and, and being prepared and doing it as best we can. And uh, we sort of discussed how this time we were going to go off on talking about the initiatory process. And Jared had said, and I'm sure I will mangle this, essentially that most lodges spend too much time concentrating on the initiation and not enough time concentrating on the initiate. So I guess, A, my question is, Jared, is that a reasonable interpretation of what you had said? And two, what did you mean by that? Yeah, close. What, what I originally said was that they spend too much time focusing on the degree itself and forgetting that there's actually someone going through that degree. So they, they sort of spent... They... They lose sight of the reason that they're there and the the person that they're delivering it for. Is is what I was talking about. Is that you know because uh, this person uh, doesn't know our degree from anything, and you know so that you know we we tend to go through it not with the intention of it being a memorable experience for the person being their first introduction to our lot to a lodge to the ritual. And treat it more like, I don't know, sometimes it feels like the burden we have to do to keep the lodge alive. And, you know, that being said, you know, it's like Andrew says in here, we begin with this cardinal principle. Each degree should be conferred on one man only. A wealth of Masonic writings from authors too numerous to mention admonishes lodges to understand that the man receiving the degree is the priority of the lodge for that evening and that all the attention of the lodge must be given to his individual journey right and you know where are we taking away from that by you know having a, a second candidate um sharing the altar at the same time um, how did the degree you know, start though I did, usually there... with someone knocking on a door isn't that how it no <laughs> <clears throat> he alludes that there was only one degree. Well, you have three now. How did that happen? Well, I mean, if we're basing, if, okay, if we're basing this on the old, on the original stonemason guilds and the guild system, it used to be that there would be, I mean, you had an apprentice and then, 
I guess they talk about a fellow craft. I like guess it's weird because yeah, the, the old guild system that there were three levels. There was apprentice, fellow craft, and there was a and you, then you did your master's piece in order to be able to go off and work on your own. So, do you think, do you think they they really created second, third degree to to fill that role, or was it the expansion of degrees that? just the idea of expansion of degrees. They wanted to have more degrees, just like when Scottish Rite was formed and all this. I wonder if it was really, or if that's just an excuse, we a kindly excuse that we use. Oh, it matches up with the Interprentice and Fellow Crafted Master Mason. Well, the, uh, the operative side, or, you know, do we really need three degrees? <laughs> I, he, he talks about there that, the, in you won that argument <laughs> well i was just sorry i'm thinking because i mean if we go with mm, going into the past when we talk about in it uh these initiate in initiatic organizations and the one that the one that pops to mind is the cult of mithras from the late roman empire and it had 12 levels so i mean it the the idea of having an initiatory organization with multiple levels is not something new to the 18th century so i mean uh and as i said the guild system was i mean it, it was all designed based on the concept of higher of um social hierarchy anyway you had your apprentices and, and then and your and your uh uh fellow crafts that worked for a master so that, you know, and they were each charged with different things that they would do within that guild that, or that, sorry, not that guild, that, that shop. So, I mean, it, it's not hard to believe that our, that we would go to three degrees um, based on the history that we're basing Freemasonry on. And if, and from what I've read, the, the, the third degree was split off, like the fellow, the th second and third degrees were split from each other. Because I mean, if you think about it, that yeah. would the doing 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 the second and third degree all at once—that's a long night. Well, he he says here that there was there may not have been an actual third degree. It was the master's degree, like a past master, and right. not a separate master's degree. But then, with all that disharmony when the UGLE when they brought them together and said, "Okay, let's figure this out," they consented by having the third degree essentially was the master's degree, right? And there's still the there's still another degree out there that's the fourth now they call it essentially, but, but uh, it's you know past master degree or master mark 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 master degree or whatever they call it. Okay, but to reel it back to where we were talking about, should it be the one guy going through that, or should <clears throat> is it okay to have a second or third or fourth? And you know, I just saw a post where there was five brothers raised to the sublime degree of a master mason. So wrong. Their their reasoning for and it was a very long day. It was it was it was done. They were done individually, right? Uh, so they say they they did it individually. It was a long day. Uh, they came in on a Saturday morning. They did several of them, and then they ended the the event with uh, a lunch, I believe. Um, but they were all done in the same day, right? not at the same time so is that even right because now you're you're still splitting the focus between five guys outside the lodge room right i don't know thoughts well, and uh, as i've said 
before and I'll say again, what's the rush? Why why are they why what well these particular this particular scenario, I asked that question. I said, so you know, why what what's the rush? They had guys traveling from two to three hours from different parts of the Kootenays and East Kootenays and West Kootenays to this one lodge hall because they were that far spread. So you have a lodge that can't do a master Mason degree. I don't yep. know so that we, that's we, the case. I'm going to, okay. I'm going out on a limb and I'm going to say, you have a lodge that doesn't have enough members to do a master Mason degree. So I'm, I'm, going to hit my mute button now and <laughs> i so i will say actually the, the washington masonic code just to, to throw that in there too uh in washington we're allowed to confer the degrees on up to three people at one time and up to 15 in one day i'm pretty sure those are the rules unless there's you convene grand lodge etc cetera, etc cetera. and those and those multiples can receive the lecture all at once uh i think so yes yeah 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 so so for example well an observant lodge uh locally to me who's who's on the list of observant lodges who we've talked about many times and have had their uh, past master on our show uh, and I think he listens to often. So, hey, Zane, <laughs> uh, just yesterday had a multiple Master Mason degree. They had three individual Master Mason degrees, and then they had a lecture. I think they did a luncheon, an agape, they call it agape, which they have agape after all their degrees. And then they, I think they did the lecture in the dining hall. Maybe, I don't know if it was, I didn't attend. I couldn't attend. I was at Scottish Rite yesterday during the 32nd degree, but they... I assume that they would have had their lunch in as they were conducting the lecture. Maybe not. Maybe it was separate, but I would guess if I had to guess, it might've been, I don't know. I, I shouldn't assume, I should assume that they did that separately, that the lecture occurred and then they had lunch, but I don't know that to be fact. They're, they're pretty good about separating those things, but I'm pretty sure they did the lecture in the dining hall and not in the lodge room. I, I don't know. I thought that's what I heard. Anyway, I wasn't there, but I know that they did them individually and I get what Steve's saying, but I think it's, I think it's okay as long as the degree experience itself is individual. You know, don't put three guys with their hands on the shoulder of the next guy in front of them. Don't put three guys in the same preparation room. Don't put three guys in, you know, yada, yada. Uh, and they were very careful about it. They had, they started one at like 9 a.m., and they didn't even have the next guy come until 11.30 or 11 o'clock. And then they didn't have the next guy come until 1 o'clock. So it was very individual, very separate, just the last piece. Now, I didn't ask, did the first two guys, did the first one get to go to the second one? Did, the, did they get to go to the third one? Did they get to attend those as Master Masons, I wonder? That'd be interesting. And I, I just want to ask again, what was the rush? Yeah. Well, they... They have changed. I don't, I don't know. There was, I didn't ask that either there. And I would agree. Why are they, why not do one a month? Or uh, even, I mean, if they, if people can do it like one a week or one, why? Cause my worry, my worry would be that by the third, third, that the people doing the degree would be tired, that their delivery would be not as crisp. 
And then that third person is getting a subpar yeah. degree experience. Yeah. And I also question it too, because they, ha they have the ability to do all three degrees inside their lodge and, and, but they only meet on the odd months. They meet every other month for, for stated meetings. And so the theory was in the past that they were on the even months, that's when they were doing their specials and degree nights. And so I don't know why they just didn't space them out like they normally would. It would be one every two months, basically. Mm -hmm. I don't know that either. Unless they wanted them to be officers, maybe. But installation's coming up. But but I, even so, is is it is it right to I agree. Uh, rush their experience for the benefit of lodge officers? I agree. Right? Uh, you know, like it's uh, and and you know, I gotta say though, Jared, I, I have seen it done where there was two and three in a row, uh, you know, throughout the day, and and the ritual only got better. The delivery only got better. Right, because the guys were more practiced, refreshed, closer to each other, and so my experience was that the ritual got better throughout the day. Um, but it's still, I believe, having more than the one or one uh, candidate has diluted the focus between many brothers instead of one, and. I mean, we do we do it in our lodge. We've we've raised two master masons in, in an evening. We've you know uh, made two master masons in an evening, right? As much as three. Um, do I necessarily agree that that's the right way to do it? Uh, I don't know that it's not the right way to do it, but I think the best experience for the candidate is to be done individually, right? With a well-practiced oiled machine. I've actually rescheduled degrees because the practice did not go over well enough and that we would be depriving that candidate of the true proper experience of, of receiving his degree in the manner it's meant to be delivered. So why is it important that he receive his degree individually? Um, because the focus then is solely on him. What does that mean? Right? The focus of the evening, the day, the, the whatever you're doing, whenever you're doing it, that it, that focus is on that brother. Um, yeah. But, it, it, yeah he, everything that, else, everything else is diluted for a matter yeah. of convenience. Well, what it, what it does is it changes that initiate is the center of all activity for that time. Which means that, from my point of view, at least, is that um, they're special. Like they're not sharing it with anyone. That 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 you know, it is their experience and their experience only. I mean, so that when they think back on it, they don't um, they don't see the think back because yeah, it, I don't know exactly how to. All I can yeah, the, totally lost my train of thought. Other so, than, go ahead. No, no, no. Nope. Other, other than you were say, other than I was going to say, but nope, gone. <laughs> so, if it is about them and their experience, what other elements are involved in their experience? He talks a little bit about sensory elements, most specifically music. Do you have a musician? Do you have recorded music? What do you offer? Oh, we, for any we, any kind of music. 
or any yeah, kind of we used to have oh i miss it so much my headley lodge we used to, we had a gentleman he was basically the organist for the entire district and but i can two districts he came up and was our organist as well so there you go but we headley we used to we had music he would play we have we'd had music at the beginning we had music at the end we sang uh, we actually sang an opening hymn and a closing hymn okay. like we had and, and it i miss it i it's the one thing that i truly miss um when oh, i go what, to lodges what's stopping music. you from you know reinstituting that and getting well, that for one thing we don't have again. anyone that can play the play the organ to begin with i'm curious yeah well i must i must agree with you there because we've gone to digital because we have a brother who was you know uh skilled in that area and and decided that we decided that rather than having no music we would have it done on a computer and and piped through the the system right and so that there was some music um i uh even though it it it, it does have its place i it's not the same experience when bill hislop would come and and play that i mean mm -hmm. you you can feel the passion played, even if he, on an electric organ. You can feel that uh, from that side of the room, man. It is it's just, it is one of those experiences. I'm glad that they had him there when I went through and, mm -hmm. and I experienced that. Now, I can't sing or carry a tune with a bucket, right? And we had these music cards and we used to do, like, you sing the hymns, um, in the opening and closing and, and in a, a installations and everything else it's not the same but at the same token um we don't have anybody any brothers in the lodge that can play the instrument right so if we did we'd be you know so what 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 song did you sing jared do you remember i don't i don't know what the titles of them are i just uh, i just remember the songs I'd be curious if you think about it, send it to me. I'd be curious to know what those are. That, I think that is a significant piece that we're missing in masonry is, is singing, honestly. Well, remember I shared the, our ritual with you They're in there. Okay. Um, okay. If you look at the installations uh, um, and the preambulations and whatnot, the songs for that are in that work. Okay. And um, if, and, and if you don't see it, let me know. I'll send you the other, other uh, stuff I've got, but it's we had them on on plasticized cards, right? And as badly as we sounded, all the brethren that, that were in that room were sitting on a chair, had that card. They either sat on it or, or picked it up before they sat down. But they, every chair had one. Do you, have, we, do, you, do you have music when you do movement as well, or only opening and closing? Um, well, when we had uh, organists, it was um opening closing and when he felt it was appropriate throughout the you know meaning if there was dead air time he'd fill that spot if there was um you know uh in a degree he always played um you know something that was appropriate to the moment um and silenced when he needed to be so that um you know when work was being done it, it was focused on that right the, the memory work the ritual work so um it, it was throughout the evening really but we really miss that not having that it, i can totally relate here with uh with what jared said i totally miss that 
Um, but again, I can't carry a tune in a bucket, so I can't even step up to the plate. Yeah, we had a, a table lodge not too long ago where we sang, I think we said three songs over the course of the evening. And our lodge actually has a guy who plays guitar who who accompanies some of the some of the things and he's he's really good he plays kind of modern songs ish but he he gets enough flair in there that you sit sometimes i sit there going what song is that and you know it's but it's he does it really well and and there's another guy in our district fred who who plays piano at several different lodges and it's a it definitely adds something it's it's i want i find myself wondering how much how well singing would go over with the with the group when it's not a special thing like a table lodge but the the addition of the even just the instrumental music in the background is really is a good thing. Well, and if it would have become a regular thing, of course, in the first few times it would be awkward, and I, I could relate to that. But if, but I think if you were to, and I don't want to jump ahead too far, but if you were to do it at certain, especially closing, you know, you're, you're standing around in a circle or whatever at, near the altar. Uh, there's there's some times that you could do it. I, I love the idea of opening and closing. I know again the lodge we spoke of, <laughs> that is an observant lodge locally in my district. <laughs> they do a, a, a moment of silence in the beginning, but then they have their chaplain discuss, and it's before opening, so it's not part of the ritual. Uh, they have their chaplain. Again, I'm sure Zane's listening at some point. So I, my recommendation is that you'd have a little more structured format to this, but I appreciate what their chaplain does, but he tries to have you think about where you are and who you are. And it's a little bit, uh, a little bit loose in that process of, uh, I don't know how to even describe it. It's, it's, I think it could be, I think it could be, could be boasted, bolstered by having a little more structure to the process of inward thought down to along with music even down to the moment of silence it's uh i don't know it, it, you, have to, you have to be there to, to experience it it's a little bit loose and lofty and f fluid a little more than uh yeah, i think it could be a little more structured to make it more on purpose if you will whereas it feels like he just kind of says things off the cuff about you know centering yourself and bringing yourself into yourself and it's just this little kind of rambling on and i don't know that it necessarily enhances the experience so the first time i experienced it, i thought what is he saying what is he where are we going with this uh but also the first time we were at a another lodge that doesn't exist anymore but they were kind of an esoteric style and they had a moment of silence but they didn't give any structure to it so i kind of sat there and thought what am i supposed to think about <laughs> and well, it, I mean, it was surprising he, he andrew stage says in here that uh, a very uh, enjoyable custom in some lodges is a moment of reflection where a particular piece of music is played while the brethren sit in darkened lodge, giving them the opportunity to quietly reflect upon the program they just heard or simply to take time to meditate on whatever they chose, right? Uh, and, you know, I, I read that and I thought, you know, that's an interesting thing to be, even just to take that pause, um, pause for a moment for reflection on on the lecture or on the or on the piece that was just done i think that's a really great idea might something i might try to encourage in our lodge right um and well that's the other thing is how do you get lodges that aren't doing things like this to do more of them of these types of things right um you know without a musician that's really hard 
How do you, Matt? Oh, how no, I was agreeing. I, I was agreeing. No, how you, I know. How do you, I, I want someone to tell me. Because <laughs> there's, I mean, I've thought about the, the moment of silence thing, particularly about, you know, it's, we're going to sit silently before we open lodge for a minute. And I can picture in my head, some of the brothers of my lodge, you know, stumbling in right as the, we're about the gavel's about to fall. And going, hey guys, I'm here. I'm in it kind of thing. And, and the poof, there goes your moment of silence. It's a uh, uh, brilliant idea. After the, I could, I could probably um, insert that after delivering a piece of education. Now let's take a couple moments of silence to reflect on the piece and the, and what was said. And maybe we can share our thoughts in the festival board after, and then have the worshipful master um, put, put the lodge to a moment of silence. Right. That, that's a great way to do it. I'll just, start, I'm going to try that. Cause I have that position and ability. Survey, survey your audience a little bit. I, I noticed in our last education, there was a couple guys that were pretty tired that night, just not because of the conversation. The conversation was good, but they just were super tired and they were, they were nodding off. Oh man. If they're and super so, tired and nodding off, they're not getting the right education, man. I agree. I agree. But another, yeah. a moment of silence, another moment of silence would maybe undo a lot. Of, uh, <laughs> but certainly it should have some structure. If I, I, I would like, in my personal opinion, I would like to have, think about the day or think about what you're about to embark on in masonry you think about something give me some structure to think about just a little bit in that moment. yeah yeah you know, that's a great a great suggestion you know like maybe before we do an entered apprentice degree brother why don't we take a moment to reflect and and maybe we can think back on to our our first degrees and and our experience and and focus on that and you know, were there guys murmuring on the sides or was it silence and everything was focused on you? And, you know, let's just take a minute to reflect on that. I think that's a great idea. Totally. And he does say in the book here, I, I, I think to get back to sort of where we, where we were at that, that he talks a great deal about silence and about, um, or he doesn't talk about it actually that long, but poignantly about silence and having the, the sidelines be quiet and the, and that sort of thing. I, I, I cannot tell you the number of lodges where I've uh, the whole, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what he says here. It's impossible to take any ceremony seriously in the presence of random chattering or other disruptions from the attendees. It drives me crazy when I hear people mur murmuring on the sides when something, when a piece of work is being done that they should be giving the respect to the person doing the work and, and uh, remaining silent while they do it. Right. Um. Yeah. And and so I does believe... anyone, I guess, does anyone else have any more thoughts on silence? It seems we're about <laughs> running into our the end of the episode here. Well, yeah, I, you know, I think I've uh, <laughs> said said all I can say on that one myself. I'd just like to point out on the con topic of silence that. Last year in season four, episodes five and six, I believe, were covered this topic. We read a paper called On Silence and Solemnity in the Lodge. So if anyone's interested, they could always just go back and listen to those. Hold on a second. I wrote it down a note somewhere. Yep. We did. Season I, four, I really episode that. five and six. Nice. Yeah, those I really enjoyed that paper, as I recall. That was a good one. And for that matter, Jared, in most in most but many episodes of the working tools podcast you observe silence and solemnity and, and <laughs> uh, but seriously uh, the the candidate experience and the ritual experience 
requires some planning and some forethought and some self-restraint and having focusing, like Jared was saying, on the initiate, focusing on the experience in Lodge uh, for as be it in silence or in knowing your ritual, et cetera, is obviously part of being an observant Lodge and observing the craft. So with that, uh, I want to thank you all for listening to the Working Tools podcast on behalf of Stephen and Jared and David and myself. And we look forward to talking to you again next time. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.